is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Applications are now open for the Canadian Export Challenge, CXC 2020, presented in partnership with UPS, the Trade Commissioner Service, and Export Development Canada, along with MasterCard and Scotiabank, and powered by Google Canada, is the first nationwide fully digital pitch competition for Canadian exporters. This year, the Canadian Export Challenge will be accepting all first round pitches through online video submissions. Don't miss your chance to pitch for up to $25,000 cash and up to $100,000 in support. What are you waiting for? Submit your pitch video now. The free events are open to attend for all Canadian entrepreneurs and anyone interested in learning more about the Canadian export ecosystem. Register at startupcan.ca forward slash CXC. Listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. We are Welcome thrilled to, to have show. Kim Orleski on our show today. Kim is the president of KO Advantage Group and author of Sell More Faster. She's listed as one of LinkedIn's top sales influencers and is the host of the web series project Knockout. She's Startup Canada's women entrepreneur and Success Magazine's most inspirational blogger. She speaks internationally, including at North America's largest entrepreneurial event, Inbound, alongside Michelle Obama, Brene Brown, and Dan Pink. In 2014, Kim quit her life to backpack solo around the world as well. When she returned, she turned her passion for sales into one of the fastest growing sales training programs, KO Sales U. Welcome to the show, Kim. Oh, thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. Likewise, I'm, I'm so excited to dive into our conversation today. Before we dive into you know, our many questions, and I'm, I'm super thrilled to, to get a better understanding of your background and, and where you landed today, uh, but what is the one thing that you really want our audience to take out of our conversation today, Kim? The biggest thing I want people to take away is that now is more of a time than ever to reach out to your clients and your prospects. A lot of people have held themselves back because it may or may not feel appropriate, quote unquote. And I don't want you to think about that, especially if you are considered to be a much more premium service provider, premium product. When everything is said and done, when we look back on this moment a year from now, two years from now, your clients and prospects are going to remember because you were the one that 
reached out to them in their time of need. You were there to say, how can I help you? As opposed to, I care about you so much, I'm going to avoid you until it feels like it's appropriate. If, if you were concerned, if you had friends or family that were going through a really tough time, would you tell them, I care about you so much that I'm going to completely avoid you? You wouldn't do that. And, and so we shouldn't be doing that to our clients and our prospects either. This is the, our opportunity to shine as relationship valuable people. And people are people and we need to just reach out to them and then the sales will naturally come. Mm, that's that's fantastic advice. And so many of the conversations that we're having at the moment are, you know, how do we navigate these relationships with our stakeholders during this this period of uncertainty? That it's also that added layer that we don't know when things are going to go back to normal. Are they going to go back to normal? So this communication piece, um, you know, if you're waiting for everything to be solidified and buttoned down, that that time is never really going to come for the next couple of months for sure. Yeah. And I mean, normalcy, it's meant to be fluid. I mean, mm. you know, we, we saw, you know, in you know, 9-11, transportation through the world changed overnight. And it really didn't actually come to a place where we now consider it to be normal until like a year and a half later. In 2008, 2009, when we had the Great Recession, I mean, it was the same type of thing where, you know, when was the right time to reach out to people? We don't know what normal is going to look like. But if you are a, if you're having your business wanting to continue to thrive and succeed, now is your time to reach out. What's going to come out of this is going to be something beautiful. It's going to be created out of collaboration and innovation. And the only way that we're going to know what our clients need is by reaching out to them and just asking them, being genuinely there to hear what their opinions are. Mm -hmm. That's where the magic is going to be held. And it's going to happen because you're wanting to actually continue that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's fantastic advice. So if we look at sort of your your circumstance and how COVID-19 has been impacting you, what does your world look like right now? Oh, my goodness. So, you know, here's the reality is that there's kind of two schools of uh, businesses right now. There's none, ones that have dramatically seen changes and, you know, pivots. They've had to, like, you know, shrink their business, something else like this. And then we have the other people that have actually grown during this time. And the, the unfortunate part is they actually feel guilty for growing because they're like, well, everyone else is suffering. We're one of those businesses that has actually grown during this time. We had originally set up you know, our sales training to be delivered through online capabilities using Zoom. How do you how do you transcend borders and use technology to your advantage when you're in a sales cycle? So when when COVID happened and everyone's jumping onto Zoom and everyone's like, how do we sell and how do we create relationships? I mean, we were like one of the companies were like, we've been doing this already. Like this is our time to shine. Now we have been busy. I want to be very clear. We have been incredibly busy. Have we seen a massive increase in revenue? No, we haven't yet. But I think that is yet to come. What we did do is go out there and say, we are already offering something that everyone needs. Let us just be there to help. And we opened up our, our playbook. We allowed, you know, free training, free role plays. Like we, we allowed a lot of services and, um, you know, different types of touch points for free only because we wanted to be out there to help. Now is our time to you start getting to a point where we're OK. Now we can get back and start having, you know, a financially driven conversation again mm -hmm. because people understand understand that value. I expect that we're going to continue to grow. We're going to grow in massive, unique ways, um, both with, you know, some of the, the growth opportunities, franchising efforts, licensing efforts, because we're also going to see more people get into business for the very mm. first time than ever before.
Mm-hmm. And when you see, uh, you know, the, the clients that you're working with at the moment, what are the biggest challenges that they're being faced with at the moment? Oh, um, I mean, this could be everything from, I mean, here, here's the reality is almost every single person doesn't believe that they have the uh, money to invest right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to speak very specifically about Canadians in general here, right? We also do a lot of business in the States, which, you know, if we're going to be talking to the startup Canada community, get yourself as much as possible into the state. So, you know, even a fraction of your business right now, I mean, you know, you're having to do one sale and you're making 30% more for that sale. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to diversify yourself as much as possible. But the thing that we're seeing in, in general, Canadians are very held on to their money. We're, we're a skeptical culture. We are very conservative, conservative when it comes yeah. to, to investing things. And so a lot of our clients are saying, well, my clients aren't ready to invest. So when everything says, okay, you know, you're not ready there, right? I mean, in general, we have to nurture our, our clients, our Canadians, um, a lot more than we have to nurture our Americans. Our Americans will make a decision and they're like, okay, we're good to go. Like, you know, and because it's this, um, this American dream mentality, where if I don't take it, someone else is going to jump on that opportunity really quickly. So Mm. our clients are seeing, you know, how do we get past this? We don't have the money for this, right? How do we get past this? We don't have the budget. And this has been something that we have been talking about. um, Our sales training has been talking about for for years. And I think this is one of the reasons why we're starting to really create this impact, because it's never about let me take this dollar from you and invest it. It's about let me take this dollar from you, help you invest it and turn that into four or ten dollars how how by investing in my product or service are we going to help you as a client become more profitable engage in more revenue be able to touch more clients more geographies whatever that is and if you are a service provider a product provider you're the seller of something and you can't translate how somebody's going to invest a dollar with you and that is going to help your client get four dollars or ten dollars or even more then you're doing your message a disservice Hmm. and you need to connect those dots very quickly so that we can help our clients grow. Mm -hmm. And so your, your general tips that you're providing to, um, you know, various entrepreneurs and very various organizations that you're working with right now, um, what are the major tips that you're and recommendations that you have in selling in this context, being very sensitive that some organizations are doing very well and some may be struggling? Um, Do you have any um, sort of back pocket tips that you'd want to provide entrepreneurs at this juncture? Uh, I mean, as much as possible, move your conversation to future focus until the client is in that positive and optimistic stage. If your client never gets to positivity and optimism, like I want you to walk away. (laughs) If they they think like things are so bad and they're never going to get better. If you are the leader of an organization, like imagine working for someone and this is, listen, guys, everything is happening and it's so bad and it's so terrible and it's never going to get better wouldn't you be like looking for another job? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Like we're in a sinking ship. And so when Mm. you're selling your product or service, the idea is to, to help nurture that conversation, move that person to a point where they do get to that positivity and optimism where they're like, okay, in six months or a year or two years, things are going to be better. Okay, great. Let's imagine what life will look like then. So if if that's where you want to be, let's say in a year or two years from now, right, what has to happen 
so that you are at that place in a year or two years. Mm -hmm. And then we start to move them backwards, right? This is very like Gary Keller, the one thing, right? Gary Mm. talked about, you know, imagine your life 30 years from now, what has to happen then? Move yourself down to 15 to 10 to five until you get to a point where like all of a sudden it's like, what has to happen this week Mm -hmm. so that you're that much closer to your 30 year goal? Our clients should be the same way. If we want to get them to a year or two years out, then we start to move them backwards. All of a sudden, they're getting to a point where like, oh, we actually need to like strategically plan. We need to prepare for an investment. We actually need to invest right now, even if it's just, you know, getting our toes wet in the water, testing it out to determine that that is the right fit. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a, such a wonderful place to be. A lot of sales is built around fear and uncertainty and doubt. And I hate that. <laughs> I love talking about positivity and optimism and getting somebody goal centric. Mm-hmm. So as as we you know look to this future and hoping for for a, a brighter place or at least a, a little bit more of a, a stable situation, how do you recommend um, that entrepreneurs shift their selling strategy in a way um, that accommodates our shifting environment? That you know how you're going to sell today could be different than a month from now when your challenges organizationally are different or when you potentially have less staff. How can entrepreneurs pivot their sales strategy, but really sort of laddering up to this future state that and this aspirational goal that they have that's concrete. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, it, it's simply, let's not overcomplicate it. Mm. You know, let's live by the golden rule that people are people, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. And when we treat, you know, when we, when we treat others in that way, I mean, things are so, so lovely. So, I mean, you know, here's an example. So I, I am based in Alberta. I mean, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Majority of our economy is driven around oil and gas, you know, and, and not only with COVID, but like you have, you know, West Texas index and all of these like oil and gas commodities that are trading at negative, like these companies are paying to have these, um, you know, this, this delivered, you know, you can talk about how terrible things are. And so I go ahead and I call one of my prospects. They run one of the largest, you know, global energy trade shows in the world, right? It, it's massive. So not only are they suffering because there's no conferences having happened, especially when you're inviting, you know, 30,000, 50,000, 100,000 people to an event, but they're also majority of their clients are oil and gas companies talking about energy, talking about, you know, pipelines, talking about, um, you know, how are they moving into new into new environments. Now, let's not kid ourselves. There is no money to be spent from this client. And yet I reached out to him and I said, like, listen, I thought about you today. You know, you were in my mind more than anyone else. You know, I I wanted to know that you were doing okay. And he's like, you know, thank you so much for the phone call. And we got on the phone and we ended up talking for 30 minutes. We talked about future optimism, how his company is pivoting, some of the things he has going on. He goes, you know, let's not kid ourselves. I want to invest in sales training. But right now we literally don't have any money. And I said, this was never what this was about. Mm. This was about creating a relationship first and foremost. And that 30 minutes, I promise you. That 30 minutes that we had a conversation where we just talked about families, we just talked about what the future held, you know, how how we're looking forward to when this is all over. That was more valuable than any other 30 minute conversation I had that was entirely sales related. So when we think about pivoting our sales conversations, this is less about pivoting and going back to what naturally feels right. If you're thinking about your clients and you're just like, you know, I just want them to know that I'm there get on the phone and tell them that you're there. Don't just send them an email. Don't just send them a text message. Get on the phone 
and like, you know, and allow, you know, that 15 minutes of tonality and conversation and stories to take over. And that will be more impactful than anything else you could possibly do during this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that impression and that feeling that 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 leaves you with is, is going to be so much more memorable than exactly a generic email that, you know, they probably have <laughs> coming in slew. Oh, so, oh yeah. absolutely. You know, I mean, he's going to remember the person that reached out in his time of need, not the person that says, hey, do you need sales training now or sometime in the future? Maybe, but probably not right now. You know, where it's like, no, no, like, let's just talk. Let's just talk like we're people. And if you're selling a product, and you're calling on a store whose retail has like, you know, completely shut their doors. You know, it's, it's not that you want to avoid them right now because they might be suffering. It's just like, hey, I thought about you. How are mm. things going? How can I help you? How can I support your business? You know, I mean, just I thought about you. Mm. I mean, like think about when if someone was to call you and just tell you those words, you'd be like, oh, oh warm and fuzzy. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Absolutely. true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And, and, and that, I think that, that impression of that human side of things that you care at, you know, a a deeper level that goes so far across all the relationships that you build in your life, not outside of business and, and, you know, personally as well. So I think that that's a testament to, to character, um, that is, you know, a, a fueling engine of strong business, but really helpful across the board. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, there's an old Japanese proverb and it says, you know, in order to go fast, you must go slow. And I think when this is all done, I mean, there's, there's a few predictions I have, which includes, you know, allowing people to work from home a lot more. I think that's going to be a huge demand that employees are going to start to have. Um, but I think the other thing is going to be that we're going to value personal connection mm-hmm. again. I think that we lost it. We were so ingrained in efficiency. And this is why email became, you know, our primary method of communication that, you know, to go back to face to face, to go back to phone calls, it's going to, you know, transcend, you know, this idea that we have to be, uh, you know, fast and efficient all the time. I think it, it is more that we're going to be faster by going deeper into who we are as people. Mm. Oh, I love that. Well, that that sounds good to me. <laughs> and, and with so, you know, coupling this this much more human approach to business. So that being one um, sort of avenue or shift that we might see in the future. What recommendations do you have for entrepreneurs that um, are having to, you know, shift the types of services or the costs around their services? So, you know, everybody can can have that more human approach and that doesn't cost anything. What recommendation or, or advice do you have for entrepreneurs? Um, you know, should they be discounting their services? Should we still be operating premium services? at higher costs. What are your suggestions around those types of processes? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, let's be very clear. The only time we ever need to discount our services is where the value and the price don't match. And this mm. is good. This is going to be a little bit of a different situation. Like, so for instance, I mean, we have, you know, our self-study program and we sell that for, you know, $2,000 and we open it up for a promo of $7. Now, are we discounting it? No, we're not because you're not getting, you know, the entire snapshot. It's it's rather you're getting the appetizer before the actual entree, you know, try it out and see if you like it. That has a completely different intention than saying this is the price that we have to sell because, you know, a dollar is better than no dollar. And and there's different recommendations I get. Now, should we still be selling at a premium? Absolutely. 
Absolutely, we should. And we've seen examples of this. I, I had recently posted, you know, a couple um, examples on, you know, LinkedIn, where I talked about, you know, the Banksy. Um, this is mm. 2013. Banksy did a residency in New York, and he offered, you know, spray art for $60 a piece. Mm. And people just walked by it, you know, and I mean, Banksy was considered to be one of like the, the most expensive pieces of mm -hmm. art out there. If you have a Banksy, you know, you're already like sitting on a million dollars type of thing. People were walking by this because it was spray art. Nobody thought anything of it. And then, you know, I think at the end of the day, he ended up selling eight pieces. Each piece was then later on, you know, offered for, you know, $100,000. Now, mm -hmm. could he have sold it for a premium? Absolutely. But because it was sold at a discount, Nobody took like nobody even considered that. There was another example of a gentleman, a famous violinist who was, you know, playing in the metro station the night before he was selling tickets for one hundred dollars a piece. So he says, well, you know what? I'm just going to we're going to do a social experiment. We're going to see if anyone values the same level of offering. He plays in the metro station and makes fifty nine dollars mm -hmm. for the same set that he probably made thirty thousand the night before because nobody valued it because he was offering it for free. Now, if you're going to offer your service, your service, your product for free or for a really low, low price, ask yourself, what is the intention of doing this? Are we doing it just to become, you know, aware of our brand? Are we doing it because we're hoping that people are going to try it out and then be ready to invest more into it? The reality is most of the time they don't. They need to understand that this is the normal value. We will open it up for a short period of time in order to get to that point. But also remember that prices are sticky and that if you do it once, be prepared to offer it again. The only reason we're doing like for our, in our case that we're doing it that way is because we have version 3.0 coming up right away, which is going to be even greater. So it's like, hey, you know what? Here, have the, the VHS. You can have a VHS for free while everyone else is moving over to streaming, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's fine, right? You know, whereas you would have paid a premium for that product at that point in time. So always, always sell for a premium. You can do that by, you know, like letting people know in the value, because when you do sell at that premium, let's say you're selling a product for $1,000, you need one sale to make that work. Whereas if you decide you're going to discount it to $100, you need 10 sales to make it work. Hands down, I will always take the one sale, right, over 10 sales, despite the price point. Mm -hmm. and, and if that one sale is sort of in jeopardy under COVID-19 or, you know, spending habits potentially within your specific industry, how do you recommend that even psychologically entrepreneurs can sort of get around that, that psychological barrier of feeling, you know, I need to keep the lights on. I need to urgently get this money through the door and, and bring in cash. Um, how do you stick to this, this strategy and know the value of your services while also acknowledging the anxiety and the, the sort of ambiguous, um, you know, state of your business. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I, and I mean, you know, when, when you have to make the dollar, make the dollar, mm -hmm. but also, I mean, feel free to be, you know, open and, you know, willing to negotiate with your clients. Mm. What I never recommend is, you know, going ahead and saying, you know what, we're, we're happy to offer you the Bentley for the Ford price. You know, I mean, that's, that's never the case. It's okay. Where is your price point at, you know, customer, right? This is, this is the service we want to do. How do we meet somewhere in the middle? Right. And if you, 
feel free to be completely honest with them. Listen, I, I need your business, right? And I'm happy to work for your business. Where can we, where can we connect at that point? The nice thing is, is people are willing to take a lower service offering. They're willing to, you know, start off with one thing, you know, especially if you negotiate, listen, we'll start you here, but I want us to get to this point, which is going to be even more money. Um, I'm willing to work with payment structures because I'm happy to take a dollar today, knowing that the revenue is going to be the exact same overall, right? Maybe it's, it's extended over a longer period of time and we can work with that. Or what are some of the other ways that we can be creative, right? Listen, I'm happy to do this, but you know, I won't be able to to do the last mile for you, right? You know, we can, I can definitely provide you the, um, the product that you want, but you're going to have to pick it up at our warehouse versus, versus us delivering it for that price point, because you know, the, the amount of time, money, energy costs that is going to take for the delivery, we just can't operate at that price point. Allow to see what is able, right? Uh, provide suggestions, ask questions and get the clients to tell you in return. Um, the other thing is, I mean, oh, patience. Oh mm. my goodness. You know, we, we, we have to be patient. They, um, I did a, actually funny enough, I did a social experiment. It's an old social experiment, but they specifically around, um, children age three to five. And when you, you offer them like a cookie and you say, you can have this one cookie. And if you're willing to wait, I'll give you two cookies. Mm -hmm. Right. And the idea is like, and you make them wait like an incredibly long time. And for a three-year-old, 15 minutes, is an incredibly long period of time. <laughs> for me, that's impossible. For oh my goodness. This morning we, we did this experiment and it was so funny. I gave him a little, it was a chocolate egg, right? From, from Easter. Mm -hmm. And you know, and he could have two chocolate eggs if he waits. And I left the room. We made everyone leave the room. He sat at the table and he was singing this old man. He played for, like until he's like just waiting for the two chocolate cookies. You know, I mean, this is this is the reality is that, you know, if you're willing to wait, is it worth it? Or do like, do you need to have the one piece? This is a question that only you can answer yourself. But patience is going to be your friend and your your favorable, you know, attribute mm -hmm. in this, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so I, w I wish you all the best of luck because it, it's a hard decision to make, and only you can make that for yourself. Mm -hmm. And and having that confidence in in why am I making this decision, I think, is really the question that that as entrepreneurs we need to ask ourselves. That, um, you know, am I doing this because I I have a sense of panic and urgency, and 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 is that clouding, um, you know, my ability to be patient and and wave, you know, through this storm, um, or do I urgently need that, that dollar? And, and that is going to keep my business afloat. So I think just taking that, that pause and really assessing the why, um, is so important in that process. It's such a great piece of advice because I mean, as a, as a buyer, I don't want to buy from the person who's panicky mm. and flailing mm. around, right, you know, right. you know, I, I want to work from the, per I want to work with the person who's like, listen, I can wait. I can be, even if you don't like really believe it, like your insides might be like, oh, I need this so bad, you know, but like, you know, we, we want to work with the person that is calm and collected and, you know, and is willing to say, you know what, I'm okay. Right. Like mm -hmm. this is, this is the bad boy syndrome, right? Like mm -hmm. this is the one that like, you know, I don't want you. And therefore you're like, oh, but I want him now <laughs> you know? like, because, because he doesn't want me. Like I want that. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas the, the person that's too eager and is always there, you're like, ah. I'm, I'm okay. Like, you know, I'm, I'm willing to wait for that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, un understand how does that look? And even ask yourself when, when somebody comes to you with that same like panic or like, I need this, I need to pay my bills. I need this. Like, are you, are you jumping in that boat or are you going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to wait for the one that's going to come around with a little bit, you know, more calm. Mm. 
That's it's such a good point. And it, 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 again, comes back to this human side of things. Think of how you would sort of navigate those types of relationships personally. Like, I think this this um, overall conversation, um, I think it just applies across many different uh, parts of our lives. Um, and, and especially under COVID, you know, maybe initial anxieties have now been exacerbated that, you know, now we're, we're in this global pandemic. So obviously, um, uh, we're in a, a new circumstance. But, um, you know, this, this advice really stands true, pandemic or no pandemic. Yeah, I mean, you find, and if you're if you're so struggling to you know find that sale, ask yourself what else you can focus on for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. I find that some of my best sales, you know, I I I mean, I'm not immune to the same business challenges as anyone else. And and we were, I mean, in hindsight, we were fortunate. You know, in October, we actually ran into some cash flow issues. We made a lot of investments that, you know, despite all the numbers, all of the the statistics and everything, just like none of them turned out. I'm like, how is this even possible? Mm-hmm. So we end up having to incredibly lean our company down. I, in hindsight, you know, at the time I was in tears and I'm crying. I'm like, I had to lay off my staff. Like, this is terrible. Um, I look back on this now and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, this is the universe's reason why this all had to happen. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, and so, you know, I, I look back on that and I, you know, and one of the lessons that I, I learned from that, that opportunity was that I said, you know what, how do we, how do we continue to, to grow and how do we expand? Mm-hmm. And I was in that panic situation. I need to make revenue right now. And so I said, okay, stop focusing on that. What's another thing that you can focus on? And I I shifted gears even just for like a day, two days a week. You don't have to do it for a long period of time. You just have to take your focus onto something else. And I threw out some crazy Hail Marys, a product service that I hadn't even created yet. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try a completely different segment of business. I'm going to go to banks. I'm going to ask them for some sponsorships for, you know, our web series and everything. And all of a sudden I ended up getting like three callbacks from like, you know, major banks saying, yeah, we'll listen. And, Mm. you know, talk about, talk about just building that confidence, Mm -hmm. right? Despite whether the deal had happened or not, hearing that I had something that was valuable, even if it hadn't been created yet, that people were willing to talk and listen was so good for my confidence that was able to recharge myself and come back and be the leader in my organization that my team needed me to be. I, I love that lesson. And yeah, just taking, you know, that, that mental, um, mental space and, and exactly, it doesn't have to be for a, an extended period of time, but we need that clarity and we need to give ourselves permission to step away, to step back in at full force. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is harder. I definitely hear that it's easier <laughs> said than done. My goodness. I look at my own it, timing. But, oh my goodness. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, and I, and I, I, I empathize with all those people that had to lay off their staff. I know what that feels like, but remember, you know, like the mantra, this too shall pass and there will be something glorious at the end there will be a phoenix that rises from the ashes and you might not know what it looks like in the middle of the hurricane but i promise you when anything that you look back on when you say this is what happened a year ago three years ago five years ago ten years ago that was the hardest point of my life and now look at how how much stronger i am just remember that at some point you're going to look back on this moment in five years and say i'm so much more stronger now because of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so before we, we wrap up today's conversation, one more question around, you know, digital sales and looking at these opportunities that COVID-19 has now presented um, in terms of, you know, selling in a digital landscape um, and how entrepreneurs can really leverage that space. What advice do you have for women entrepreneurs specifically um, on how to leverage and maximize their digital sales channels? 
Oh, you know, one of the things that I also think is going to really come out of this is that we are going to allow ourselves to transcend borders much, much easier. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it used to be the fact that, you know, you would buy from people because they were within proximity of you. You know, I will buy from you because we're able to meet in person. And the only time we saved, you know, to any type of telecommunication was because, you know, we couldn't actually get on a plane or it didn't make sense for us to get on a plane or get to that point in person. Today, it doesn't matter that I'm two kilometers away from you. We're still going to meet in the same, uh, same type of way, whether you're 2000 kilometers away from me. And so take this as an opportunity to find those those different, you know, digital means, those those proximity channels, whether that is, you know, a Facebook group, you know, maybe you're part of a few Slack channels, maybe you're active on, you know, a LinkedIn group and encourage, you know, the opportunity to get on to these Zoom calls or Skype or FaceTime or whatever type of method you're using to still have that face to face interaction. Get used to it because this is going to help you grow your business. One of the reasons why we're starting to get even more into the States is because we were on one of the forefront, you know, delivers of this conversation. And when you're getting, you know, conversations now from companies like Zoom and Inc. Magazine and Comcast that are asking, hey, you know, are you willing to like talk with us? We're already set up for that. How can you set yourself up in those same ways? How can you go ahead and use this as an advantage to you so that whatever it is, whatever company that you're like, if I could work for Loblaws, if I could get my shelves, my my product on Loblaws, if I could get my product on, you know, Kroger's, whatever it is, make the time to make it happen today because there has never been a more opportune time to allow yourself to transcend those borders. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, these positive conversations and really trying to put extra energy into having these creative conversations is so important because um, we're never really going to have this type of opportunity again to shift our businesses, to really be focusing um, on these new types of channels and, um, you know, propelling ourselves into the future that, you know, change um, sometimes is, is a much more incremental and, and runs at a slower pace, but we have turned things around pretty dramatically over the last yeah. couple of months. Well, absolutely. You know, I mean, you're going to be just as nervous mm-hmm. making a phone call or sending an email to somebody that would buy a fraction of your business as you could for to, you know, ask somebody who would buy, you know, 100% of your revenue goal or the mm-hmm. biggest conversation you ever have. Nervousness is nervousness, right? Anxiety is anxiety. And it doesn't matter if I'm, I'm anxious. There's no like, you know, degrees of anxiety. I'm, I'm nervous to reach out to that person for the very first time. So go for it. You have like, you have nothing to lose at this point. So, you know, but you have everything to gain and imagine what it would be like, you know, if, if you end up growing your business because of that one ask. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, wonderful. Kim. I'm, I'm inspired. I'm ready to sell <laughs> Fantastic. So, you know, uh, based on, you know, I think there are so many components of of wisdom and advice that you provided throughout this conversation. So thank you. Uh, But what would be, you know, one final piece of advice specifically for maybe women entrepreneurs and speaking, um, you know, to to that group that that we serve through the Thrive podcast? Um, What final piece of advice would you want to provide these women entrepreneurs with to, you know, inspire them over the coming weeks and months? You know, I, I just, I mean, you know, be bold, right? Mm. Whatever, whatever the, the scariest thing that you think you could do in a day, go and do it your first thing. You will be amazed if you did that once every day, you know, for the course of, let's say two months, three months, even a month, you have done 30 things that have genuinely scared you. And I promise you one, two, three, even more than that are going to come true. So 
take this as an opportunity that it is go in, make the super big ask. And then when you're ready, you know, you know, we're there to help you understand how we can actually turn that conversation into something that ultimately gets you even more revenue and closes that deal even faster. So Kim, if if, um, our audience is looking to get more information about you and some resources, where should they be looking? Yeah, so I have my book sell more faster, and I'm more than happy to allow that um, download for free. You can get the whole ebook version. You can go to bit.ly slash sell more faster book, all one word, and that will give you the free download for the entire book. And don't forget to follow me on LinkedIn. I'm always releasing some great videos and content. Fantastic. Thanks, Kim. Thank you so much for joining us on the Thrive Podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook Resources for Women Entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.